This January, over 750 OA members gathered in Los Angeles for OA's 50th birthday party. Events included keynote speakers, multiple long-timer panels, workshops, a big book boot camp, and even an appearance by Roseanne S. If you'd like CDs or MP3s of any or all of these sessions, go to oa50th.org and then follow the link to the recordings. That's oa50th, oa50th.org. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Corey. Hi, I'm Corey. I'm a compulsive eater. I want to pass around some pictures, and I, I always explain a little bit about my pictures. I didn't grow up heavy. I wasn't a heavy kid. I got heavy at some point in my really early adult life. But what I see in the pictures of myself as a kid, as I was going back through many years ago when I was going to make this, was how just how unhappy I was when I was a kid and how at some point a fair way into program, I've been in program 21 years, and I don't even know when, but at some point, I started to notice that the pictures changed, and I started. There was this light in my eyes that came on. So um, this is the Reader's Digest version of all that, but I'll pass this. Like I said, I've been in program for 21 years, and um, this was my second program. I got uh, to another program first, and I, I probably wouldn't have come here because I didn't think I belonged because I wasn't particularly overweight. I wasn't particularly underweight. If someone said I had an eating disorder, I would say, no, I don't, because I thought you had a, you know, I thought that it was certain prescribed things that meant eating disorder. Someone shared with me that I might fit in here, and I, after a lot of prodding, and, and I think I asked like 40,000 times, were you really sure that I'll fit in there? She said, why don't you come and check it out? You don't have to stay. You can come for a meeting. We say come for six. See what you like. And um, I liked it here. From from the gate, I liked it here. I related I related to having everything in my life seen through the lens of food. I, I heard someone once, she was the opening speaker at a convention, and she said it better than I think I could. She said, you all know what it's like to feel like it's Christmas Eve because we get breakfast in the morning. And I thought, that's it, you know, we get another meal, like hallelujah. It doesn't it doesn't really mean that for me so much anymore, but in the beginning it did, and I've I don't just do three meals a day. I, I have snacks in between, which fits myself and my medical conditions. But but when I know that I've had a snack, I can make it to dinner, there's a you know an amount of time. Sometimes I'm grateful that dinner's coming, and, and so you all understand that. Um, when I first came in, it was all about the food for me. My program was about the food. My life was about the food. Having an evening alone to myself meant getting the perfect food, which was very exciting to me. Like, if I could just find the perfect meal, and that meant certain things back then, then life really, really would be good, is what I thought. And the complete disappointing thing, and I'm sure you guys relate to this, is that so I would eat what I thought would be the perfect meal, which usually was very high carb, lots of sugar, lots of fat, lots of whatever, at the end of the meal, it never made me feel better. It made me feel worse. And then I'd feel full and I'd want to eat more, and it was really a setup. So, yeah, so that's, that was kind of the nutshell of my disease. 
I was raised in a home where we all have some sort of addiction or another. Most of us have food issues. And I don't know that everyone would admit that, but people's eating made me uncomfortable. And I learned a lot about eating as a way of soothing. I also learned, I was thinking this week about how when I was raised, my mother was on Weight Watchers a lot, and I, I'm not endorsing anything outside, but it, it certainly, you know, gives people a sense of sort of that kind of deal because a lot of people know about that. And I really learned, like this week I thought to myself, there was one day I had, I had, I had a really late lunch, and, it was, and I was really hungry, and I wound up eating more carbs than I wanted to, and then I thought to myself, okay, add some protein to that, and that'll be a meal, right? So that's a tool for me now. And I remember learning that as a kid, and I also... You know, I had a sponsor a long time ago who used to say a meal is three things, and and usually that's a carb, a vegetable, and a protein for me. Sometimes it's not, but that's usually what it is, and there's many things that can make that up. But, yeah, so I was telling Mickey before, I spent the day at the zoo today with two toddlers, and I just am usually a little bit more present than I am now. So we'll see if maybe I can, you know, jump into line. Um so I wasn't I wasn't born a compulsive overeater. There's people that say that they were. I, I mean, people like I was born a compulsive overeater. When I was born, I tried to eat my own foot, you know, or whatever. And I just that wasn't my experience. I was um I was nine when I was uh, when I remember having intense food cravings, and I was also nine when I was diagnosed as a type one diabetic. And everyone was watching my food and a lot of shame about food. And I discovered that. Um, I could eat in secret, and then no one would know, and I would feel comforted, and I would feel soothed. And I, uh, I heard someone in a meeting once say that she would eat to fill the hole in her chest, and it would always go to her stomach, and she never understood why it never stopped here. What I've learned, and I, which I also heard in a meeting, most of what I say is not original. It's all stuff that I've heard over the years, but... Um, is that I was born with a God-sized hole in my chest, and I tried to fill that with everything. And I, um, well, not everything, but most things. I mean, I'm, I'm not a drug addict, and I'm, I don't gamble obsessively, but everything else. And um, I, uh, and it never filled that hole, and it confused me. And I never even knew that that was really a God-sized hole until I got here. I was born, I was born into a religion. That that we practice culturally, not religiously. And I was um, when I was 13. We have a, a religious ritual that we do in my religion, and um, and I did that, and I enjoyed it, and and people gave me money, and I loved that part. And um, and we had a brunch, and that was great, and, and that was great, and we had pictures of the brunch, and um, and that was good, and that was what I knew about religion. I didn't learn. I uh, I was thinking recently how neither one of my parents are great at relationships, and they're divorced and have been for many years, which is good because they probably both have killed each other by now. My father's remarried, so he's a little bit better than my mother is, but I, I never got the opportunity to see my parents have friendships and have relationships with each other and learn to get nurturing from other people or when, when there was distress, how to reach out and you know, talk, talk to other people and get support around that. I never learned that. I learned, I watched them do things, like my father would go to rage and my mother would go to food and people did different things. And I, I'm i so grateful. I, I'm 43 years old and, like I said, I've been in 12-step programs for 21 years and I guess that's, that's a little more than half my life. I never thought about it that way. But I, I learned here how to, like, reach out to other people when I felt distressed and how to... I didn't even know what I was feeling. I didn't know what I was feeling, and I was—I had a lot of feelings, and I grew up with a lot of anxiety, but I didn't know that. 
and I, I in, in all the anxiety that I felt, I remember when I was when I was in program and I would have anxiety, and I and I had to start to learn to use the tools around my feelings. I, my sponsor at the time would have me do writing about you know what's what's the trigger, what you know whatever, or the the four through nine on those feelings because I just felt like they were so unmanageable. I got to start to learn for me that my anxiety usually is fear and anger together. And, and inside I just have this image of like this little person, like not knowing what to do with all these feelings. And um, I, uh, at the time that I learned about food, like when I was nine and I learned that food could be very soothing, that's what I used to fill my anxiety. So I got into program and um, for the first couple of years I struggled with how to define abstinence. When I was newly abstinent, it was like for the first couple of months, I just felt like going to meetings was such a high. I felt like I was in some club that that most most people didn't get to be in. But I was in some really cool club, and people talked about food, and people talked about feelings, and the the, the food cravings were lifted initially. And it was uh, for me what I kind of ascribed to like a just a honeymoon period. So the food cravings were lifted, and then. And someone said it today who took a chip that it, it, it's when the when the honeymoon period is over and the feelings hit and you've got this tool of abstinence or food plan and, and then you have to really start working your program or at least I did and I so over the years I've written a lot of inventories and I've um, let's see I want to slow this down a bit so so when I was new in program I um, I wanted to start working the steps because I knew, like, I'm good with tangible. If you tell me what to do, I'm good with that. Like, I mean, I don't. if someone said, you know, I don't know, eat well, then I'd be like, I don't know what the hell to do with that. But if someone said, find a food plan, and if you need to see a nutritionist, see what you should be eating and follow that, you know, and, it's, and there's, like, guidelines, then that was, I could do that. And if someone said, you know, my sponsor said, well, let's start working the steps, and here's what you do for step one, and... My very first sponsor was, I was living in a really little town, and if anyone's heard my story, they've heard this, but it was it was a very little town, and in the town that I lived in, it was called Arcata, California, and it's up in Humboldt County, um, marijuana capital of the, the country, by the way, but I didn't, never smoked marijuana, so I missed out on that part. So I lived in Arcata, California. So there were two OA meetings in the town that I lived in, and it, if you wanted to venture to the next town, which was like, God, 10, 10 minutes by car, which, you know, here I just drove 25 minutes on the 405 to get here, which felt like nothing. But when you live in a small town, it's really different. So there were two OA meetings in my little town, and I didn't often want to drive the 10 minutes to get to the next town. The the sort of the deal was not many people went to both meetings. So if you went to both meetings, that usually I remember one time someone said to me, didn't you go to the meeting yesterday? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, it must have been a rough week, right? And, and I just, um, like, that was the deal. And I think when, when I moved to Los Angeles, when I moved back to Los Angeles, I was raised here, um, and I started going to meetings here. I started going to meetings, I, I probably, when I first was back, went to nine meetings a week. I went to lunchtime meetings and evening meetings, and I went to retreats and workshops, and I did every 12-step thing that I could get my hands on. And I, it, it's almost like I swallowed it all up which was great because I needed to learn to do something else with my swallowing instinct than, than the food that I was eating, and, um, and I loved it. It just it filled me. I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm not one of those people that ever grappled with wanting to leave, and I feel so grateful. I have a handful of people around me right now who are really wondering if this is their spiritual path. 
and really trying to figure out where they're meant to be. I'm really grateful that I've, I've learned about many paths to spirit, and this is one of them for me, and it's always, I've always craved to come back here. So anyway, so I went to the, both meetings one week, and I finally realized I needed to get a sponsor, and there was a sponsor there. There wasn't a lot of abstinence, even with people who had a lot of time, just in this little town, but I asked someone who had been through the steps before in AA if she would take me through the steps, and we went one Saturday, I think, or one Sunday. We went to the beach, and she had this book, and I don't know what book it is, but... It was green, and I know that, and I think it was leather-bound. And it, um, we read, we started reading about the first three steps because I wanted to know, like, what do you do? I, I need to know what to do. I'm a doer. I feel safe. I feel if I know what my next indicated thing is, I feel less anxious. And so, I'll, hopefully, I'll get to that. I've had to learn not to know what's next and just be in the unknown, also. But so we started reading about the first three steps, and the first thing that we read that I recall is the difference between powerlessness and helplessness. And in the first step when we talked about we are powerless over food, I didn't know what that meant, but I, I didn't think it was good. <laughs> I just thought, I, I, I've got power over food. I just need to figure out the right way to do it. Like I just thought it was always, like I, I felt like I was raised and I was sort of raised in a little bit of a crooked home. And if you could just tell me how to sort of straighten out, then I could just manage this food thing. So I, I, we were reading about the difference between powerlessness and helplessness. And what I remember reading very clearly is that we're not helpless, but we are powerless, alone, with God and with the fellowship. That's where the power comes in and with the footwork and the steps and the tools and the traditions and all of those things. So we read the first three steps, and then we went back to her apartment, and um, and I, she said, well, so how do you feel having just, you know, done all this reading, and she was so enthusiastic, and I didn't know what it was about because I just thought, you're just a freak. And, um, she's, and I said, so how do you know? She said, how do you feel? And I said, well, how do you know when you're done? Because I figured that, you know, if there's 12 steps and we do three this day, then in four weeks we'll be done. And um, not my experience, by the way, for those listening at home. Um, I, I don't think I'm ever done. I think I've learned to stop seeing them as steps and more like an escalator. And, like, just one just comes again then. So what am I doing now and what am I doing now? But so we sat, uh, we, we were sitting down, and she said, let's get down on our knees and let's do the third step prayer. And she knew it, and I thought that was weird, and so I read it from the book. And, um, and, and, and we were holding hands, and I thought that was weird, and getting down on our knees was weird because we don't do that in my religion. We go up to God and not down, and it just was, it was all weird because it was different. I didn't like different. I liked, like, the same. Even though my, my life was a nightmare, I liked, it felt safe. Like, I, I really felt safe. So, although I didn't, but I thought I did. And uh, so we read the third step prayer, and then... And then I, you know, began the rest of the steps. I really thought that I, I now, because like, I'm pretty smart, or, or so I think, and and I thought, okay, I'm going to, like, take it home and read them again. I'm going to really get them so I don't have to go back and read them again. I'm really going to study well, like it's, you know, American history or something. Although I never studied that well either. But, um, I don't know, math. Give me a statistics book. Like, that I can do, but American history, no. And I just... Uh, slowly started to work the steps and slowly started to learn about the things that got in my way of what I think is my connection to God. And my connection to God is what soothes my anxiety. And when my anxiety is soothed, I'm not as hungry. Like that for me is the formula. I didn't, I I spent a lot of my life thinking 
that I know what to do. I mean, I think it's true. I think most compulsive overeaters know more about nutrition than most professionals. And I know I do because I've done a lot of studying. And um, I, uh, anyway, okay, so I started working the steps. So 21 years later, I've done a lot of inventories. At this point, I, I now, I sponsor three women right now, which I have to tell you is three more than I thought I had time for. And amazingly, I have time. So, you know, we're going to give that one to God, my time, as well as everything else. One of the things that I do with my sponsees, in the beginning, I wasn't clear when I first started sponsoring years ago. I I wasn't quite, quite clear the difference between a therapist and a sponsor. So they would call me and I would try and fix them. And then I went back to Al-Anon, and I stopped trying to fix them, and I didn't quite know what to do. What I now do with my sponsees, which is what I do with myself when stuff comes up, is try and figure out, when I have stuff coming up, what step am I in? Or I'll call my sponsor, and, you know, we'll talk about what step is this related to. Sometimes I'm doing behaviors that I wish I weren't doing. Like, I might find myself at work gossiping, and I think, why did I just... Why did I just say that? I wouldn't have said that in front of the person that I just said that about. Why did I do that? And and now I know immediately when I start to feel bad about something, oh, that's a character defect. Okay, so let's pray to God to have that one lifted and then make amends where possible. I uh, that's, that's after having enough time in program. And that's after having, you know, relatively my system be clean and, and my connection to my higher power. So, uh... And that's what I do with my sponsees, too, by the way. When my sponsees call me and they're grappling with things, although I may have experience, strength, and hope, and I may have suggestions on what to do, oftentimes I send them back to God, or I send them back to God through one of the steps, or maybe do some six and seven on that, or, you know, other things like that. Because I think that's really what it's all about. I mean, those are the, the steps that we're given in this program. And it's just a suggestion. By the way, you don't have to do them. But my experience was that when I did on my, my life and my program started getting better. Like I said, I was raised I was raised with a lot of addiction. Some of us are now in 12-step programs, which is great to have that same language. Okay, so when I got into program, I... I got into program, and then about three weeks later, I um, across the aisle in my anthropology class was this cute guy that kind of looked like a cop. We, uh, I asked him one day if we, he wanted to study, and um, we went to his house, and we uh, started studying for our anthropology test, and then we started dating, and we, we were in a relationship for three years. But after three weeks in program, I thought that I had worked the program well enough that I was able to bring this love of my life into my life and the relationship lasted for about three years or two something years and it was it was like the, one of the more dysfunctional experiences I've ever had in my life but I really I, I I hung on to it like this but but you're my soulmate what do you mean you don't drink my soulmate wouldn't drink what do you mean don't you know it, it was like it was I just wanted life to be as I wanted it to be not as it really was and I I missed the boat because I forgot to open my eyes. You know, it's like you sort of, you really see what's happening if you open your eyes and look at it. But I just thought, but no, you don't. No, but okay, you can drink a little. But then when your behavior starts to change, you have to stop. And I, yeah, so like I said, I wasn't raised in a family that had great relationships. And we didn't often open our eyes to a lot of things. But one of the things, well, just talk about what I've learned in program. I learned how to do really simple things in program, like show up. Like when I have a commitment, show up. And if I don't want to, show up anyway. That was like mind-boggling. I wasn't really a flaky person before necessarily, but if I was afraid, I could convince myself that 
I didn't have to show up. So I learned in program I had to show up. And I learned that by taking commitments really early on. And I, I probably had all the commitments. And for many years, this is sort of a side note, but for many, many years I had a resentment against being a delegate. And um, I don't know why. I just thought there's people said there's drama at delegates meetings and I don't want to be a delegate. So about six months ago I took on the position of delegate because I thought, well, I should probably check it out if I'm going to have a resentment and think that it's a really bad service commitment to have, right? It says in the big book about contempt prior to investigation, and I was great with that because I just thought, you know, if I think it's going to be bad, it's going to be bad, so I don't even need to try it. So I, so I have to say, so I've, been, I've gone to five delegate meetings. Now I have one more left in this commitment, or I think to, today was the last maybe, and I didn't mind it. It actually was kind of cool. I got to hear what happened in OA on the intergroup level. I'm not selling that position, but I just, I learned, like I showed up every Saturday that there was a delegates meeting, and I took notes, and I got enough little handouts and brought them back and gave my delegates report, tried to act like I, you know, was inspirited by everything that I was talking about in my delegates report. And I, I don't know why I told you all that story, except what I'll tell you is that it, being of service has changed my life. Learning how to show up whether I was afraid or not afraid or whether a particular meeting felt safe for me or not if I had a commitment to show up or get it handled in some way, you know. And I didn't know how to do that growing up. So when I was in a relationship with this guy, so the relationship ended just as I was graduating from college, and I felt like I, I, when I was with him, I thought that I'm never going to have to learn how to do life because he's going to do it for me, which, by the way, for the listeners at home and you all, that's not a good plan to go into a relationship thinking someone else will save you. But, um, but I really thought that. And, I, and then when, when he broke up with me, I... Um, again, was not in my plan, and I said, you can't break up with me, and he said, it's not working, and um, and I um, I had to learn how to support myself. I was, I, gratefully, my father supported me through college, so I was graduating from college, knew that I couldn't move home for very long, because it would have been really bad for my recovery life and other things, and that I somehow was going to have to learn how to take care of myself or find somebody who could do it for me. But by that time, I had enough program that I knew that it probably wasn't great to have someone else take care of me. I at least should know how to do that for myself. So I, I moved back home for a while, got a job, and then um, rented my first apartment. And I just, I guess, I guess my point with all this is I did like the next indicated thing. That's what they talk about here. Like if you don't know what to do next, I think about, like, I was decluttering my desk recently, and I'm one of those kind of decluttering people that touches the same piece of paper ten times. Like, this is the pile that I'm going to look at on Tuesday, and then this is the pile that I'm going to look at on Wednesday, and I'm just going to put that right there. And then on Wednesday I look at it and I go, oh, this is the Friday pile, you know, and um, and I can be really busy doing nothing. And... Uh, <laughs> And and so what I've learned, even and I and I I heard this somewhere, you know, never touch a piece of paper twice. But I think that's sort of my life. It's like, what's the next thing? Like, what do I have to do next? Okay, I get a bill in the mail. What do I do? I pay it. That's like I know that's like not rocket science, but that was something I had to learn how to do. And and to have money in my account to be able to pay it, I have to go to work, and I had to learn how to do that. So. I learned how to do that slowly. And now, like I said, I'm 43, and I'm not ashamed to say how old I am. And I uh, have been at my job for almost 20 years, and I bought a condo three years ago. And and those things in and of themselves don't, they don't fill me and they don't make me okay. But those things are examples of 
the work that I've done, that I, that I was able to do those things. Not because buying a condo is a great thing in and of itself, but that was one of my dreams was to own my own home. And so I learned how to do that slowly. And I learned in program I went back to graduate school. It was interesting being in graduate school. The program that I was in was two years, and I got my master's degree at the end. And I was in graduate school with a lot of people who, as we sat in study groups, would eat through them entirely. And I and it brought back a lot of feelings of when I was in college and when I was in high school particularly, and I couldn't study without food. Like, I think I needed, it's like they say that, you know, if you if you study when you're stoned, then you need to be stoned to take the test. It's like, if I study when I'm, like, strung out on sugar, I needed to be strung out on sugar. I was just strung out all the time on sugar and on other things, and I, uh, and I'm not today. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, for the most part, I'm present. I mean, minus being at the zoo with two toddlers, but and there were other people there too. And my fam, my uh, my partner's family's been in town all week, which has been really great. I've been given the opportunity to be of service. I've been given the opportunity to with people that wanted us to run their week with itinerary, like Julie McCoy, your cruise director, to have to carve out some time and. Um, Gratefully, yesterday my partner said to me, you know, maybe you should go swim because she knows that's what, what, what I enjoy. But, but I carved some time out for myself. And the first thing that I said at the beginning of the week is, okay, so I know we're going to the zoo on Saturday, but I need to be home by 3.30 because I need to leave by 4.30 to go speak at a meeting and I'm going to need some time to get quiet. i got to tell you, where I come from in my home, I would not have had that language. I learned that here. I feel like in some ways... Uh, well, no, in, in all ways. I've, given, I've been given a really whole new language here. I didn't, in my family, I, um, we weren't separate people with separate needs and separate wants. We were, we were all like the same, like one sort of unidentified family mass, you know, and we, um, and we all, it, it was rare. I, I remember when, the first time I went back home after I had been in program for a while, and my dad was making steaks, and he um, he said, how would you like your steak? And I said, medium well. And he said, we don't eat our steaks medium well. <laughs> and I said, well, I like a medium well. You know, I mean, but but he didn't say it like we don't. He, he looked at me, he goes, medium well. Medium well. You know, like, and, and I got to tell you that there were many years that that would have made me change my opinion. That, that seeing my father in distress would have had me do anything to fix that and, um, and then go eat. And, uh, and, I, and I don't want to say that I never try and fix people's distress because it's still sort of when I notice it. But, but I don't. So this week, so I got here and I had time, I had quiet time before I got here. Why? Because I carved it out and I said what I needed. I didn't learn how to do that before, so that's that message. And I also got most of the day yesterday alone. They're in from Arizona, and there's the grandmother, who I love, but when, when we went to Disneyland, walks very slowly, and we went to the zoo, walks even slower. And, um, and then the two-year-old nephew, who sometimes walks really fast, and, some, and, and I'm just like, there's just all these different needs, and I'm actually really amazed that, that a family can have different needs, because my family it was sort of was wrong to have different needs, but... Yeah, so, so the fact that I'm even here in standing is, I guess, really miracles, what I'm saying. I really love them, and, I've, and, and I think the fact that I'm here standing is because I've taken care of myself this week. I also have to say I'm, I got engaged a little over a year ago. 
I never thought, when that boyfriend in college, the one who I said couldn't break up with me, I thought that he and I were going to be married forever, not because there was any substance to our relationship, but because he was in front of me, and, you know, I thought that's what you do. You find someone who, who you can marry, and then they support you, and um, probably all the dreams that, you know, that, I don't know, all the dreams that I thought I had, but they weren't really my dreams at all. And so a little over a year ago, I got engaged, and um, I have to say, when I was growing up, the thought of getting engaged felt like I was going to finally be complete. Like, it felt like, you know, I'm not whole unless I'm in a relationship with somebody else. And it was very exciting when, when my partner proposed, and it, and I didn't, and I, it was exciting, but it wasn't like, I think part of the reason why it didn't make me want to eat or, or the other things that I do when I feel so overwhelmed is because I didn't feel like finally I'm complete. Like, finally I can exhale. Like, I had been breathing all along in the relationship, you know, symbolically. Like, I just, and, and, and also, I, and maybe she'll hear this someday, but she wants to get married on Halloween in costume. And I was like, oh, Oh, I love you. Yes. Well, we'll talk about that one. Um, and that's, you know, and talk about having different needs. And um, But, you know, the really exciting part is that we'll talk about it. I mean, I, that's not particularly my desire. And I don't really want to be in costume. I mean, I don't need to wear a white gown and walk down the aisle that way either. But, but I don't know about costume. Um, I mean, and if it is, you know, it'll be something minor, like, you know, cat whiskers or something, but I just don't want to be, like, dressed up like a ghost getting married, and, um, but that's the deal, we, we, um, there's, there's, like, no, sometimes my partner and I look at each other and just say, we need to, like, create a little drama, because we just have, we have very little drama, and coming from where I come from, that is a miracle, that, and I would, I would swear and then say miracle, like, that's like a, something miracle just because it's so it's such a miracle that when when there's something that's happening between us that um that I have a different need than what's happening that I've learned to say you know what can we talk about this for a minute because this isn't working for me or I recently I bought a a big tv for for our condo and um my partner likes to watch TV in the bedroom, and that's usually I work later than she does when I come home and the TV's on. And I think 42 inches is a lot of TV for the bedroom, so I don't want the TV to be in the bedroom. And um, she doesn't like to watch the TV in the living room. So I went to her and said, what do we need to do to make the living room a place where we watch TV? Just in case we ever get a big TV, we, we, we're not going to put a big TV in the bedroom. And we talked about it. Like we, She said, well, you know, I really don't like to have the drapes open when I watch TV because the neighbors are right across the way and they can see right in. And I said, okay, so maybe we'll close the drapes when you watch TV and then we'll just remember to open them for the kitties in the morning, you know, and, and we just sort of negotiated through it. And it was um, it was amazing. It was like, and, and at the end, we came to a resolution that wasn't exactly what I wanted because I hate the drapes to be closed and wasn't exactly what she wanted because she hates to watch TV in the living room. But we found a way to make it work. I guess I, you know, I, I learned that. I had a sponsor who used to say, a sponsor for a very, very, very long time who um, is only not my sponsor now because she got so busy and unavailable. But she used to use the language, we're going to hold the question. Like, I don't know what to do about this. 
maybe if I spend some time sort of holding the question, there will be room for God to come in and let me know what my next indicated step is. I didn't know how to do that before. If there was, like, an issue or a problem, I needed to fix it and move on. I've learned, I was talking to someone before the meeting, and I was reminded that the last time I spoke here, I talked about meditation, and and he reminded me that I talked about napitation, because meditation for me very often is like, you know, I begin to meditate and then I fall asleep, which is actually a miracle for someone who's who's comes from such anxiety. And um, I've learned how to just get quiet and just wait. And uh, they say, you know, the something about you know the the sometimes the right action is to take no action, and I've learned how to do that here. So um, I feel like I'm sort of all over the place, but. Almost everything that I do in my life today, or the way that I do almost everything that I do in my life today, comes from having come to meetings for so many years, many meetings, many, many, I never counted them all, but um, listen to how people handle things when I'm struggling with something. Usually what I do is I listen around the rooms to see who may have experience with that, um, and I say, how did you do that? And then they say, here's how I did it. And then I can go, oh, okay, well now I have a map for how to do things, then learn how to do that you know, a lot of things appropriately and functionally growing up. So what can I say to, just to wrap it up? To wrap it up, okay, so I have a food plan. It, it changes from day to day, but I commit it to my sponsor every morning um, in email. So I've learned how to do that, so I start my day on the right foot for the most part. There are things I don't do absolutely, food behaviors, no matter what. There's some that, that I try not to do and give them up to God and notice when I'm doing them more that, you know, that I need to check in with my sponsor, do some writing, or to really look at what's inside. Yeah, and I just keep on coming back. Like, that's been the most important thing. So, thank you.